Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is, and welcome to another episode of the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. Matt here with the introduction again this week, giving you guys the latest update for the contest that we have going on. If you are listening to this on Friday, June 18th, the day it comes out, then today is your last day to submit any artwork you have for our art contest. We'll announce that winner next week. And remember, that winner is not only going to get an Inspired Incompetence t-shirt signed by all of us, you also retain that title of King of Art for the entire year until our next contest next year. And on top of that, we have a big announcement here. I'm going to announce right here and now what the next AP we are going to be playing for patrons is. That's right. Here we go. Drum roll. I don't have a drum, but here we go. The AP that we are going to be starting is War for the Crown. So of the entries that we had for people to guess, you know, for people to guess what the new AP was going to be, we had quite a few of you guess War for the Crown. So I'm I'm thinking we did a good job picking that intro music. It was very uh, reminiscent of the theme of the campaign. But we did roll randomly among those who guessed correctly to see who is the winner of the Dice Catapult from Elderwood Academy and a nice new set of dice from Kraken Dice. And that winner is our very own Casual Chaos, the currently reigning King of Art on our Discord. So congrats to Chaos. We'll be in touch yeah, we'll be in touch soon, and we'll get your info and get that sent out to you. Congratulations, man. And to further the news here, we are going to record the first session of this new AP this coming Monday. That's right, June 21st. We are going to record the first session for War for the Crown. And for any of our patrons of the $10 and higher tier, this means that this coming Monday, you can listen in to our recording to get your first glimpse of the new AP. For patrons of the $5 and up tier, you will get access to the episode when it's done being edited. That should be probably within a week or so, but you know we'll see how, how quickly life allows it to happen. But that being said, that is, I think, everything I've got for you for this week. So without further ado, let's dive right on into episode 23. You look familiar. Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. Smooth voices, smooth moves, smooth brains. How's everybody doing? Duh, I like that. Feeling one. pretty smooth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's see. Uh, you guys are in Salakar Salakar's scriptorium still. Somehow. Still. So you guys are supposedly nearing the end of it you're fighting mrs pedipalp who you were told when you first got here was your main objective matt you want to give us a quick rundown on how well that fight's gone um well i think it's doing pretty good um yeah rogyar is uh trying not to vomit as he runs away from thalias and thalias has decided that going down to the garden just sounds like a swell idea so yeah, Vipera and Uhtred, they got this. They're fine. <laughs> yeah, we got this. Good. So the 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 common adage is don't split the party, but the the real meta is if you're going to split the party, split the party three times. 
And that's yeah. how you beat the game. And by beat the game, you mean murder the PCs. Yeah, that's how I beat the game. Sorry, I should have been more specific. Uh, okay, so let's see. We just finished with uh, a, a, a chance depressing flashback. We haven't had oh, many God. of those in this place. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's Mrs. Pettipelp's turn. No, I'm pretty positive that she didn't go because her last turn she tried to attack Uhtred rolled really well I think she got like a 23 <laughs> and, and still couldn't hit Uhtred because of his shield spell and he's got mirror images on top of that so for this turn Mrs. Pedipal is going to turn around and try her luck biting Vipira you would see that like her lower jaw and like entire chin kind of opens up like a predator oh. mouth got when she uh, when she lunges at Vipira to bite her, that's going to be an 18 to hit Vipira. Does not hit. Okay, and it is now Vipira's turn. All right, um, Vipira's gonna actually drop uh, dagger. She's like, this thing is fucking useless, and she is going to swipe, swipe. See if I give you any more gifts, Mrs. Petapelp, uh grins with a kind of relief at seeing Vipira drop that dagger. Yeah, well, if she knew my other abilities, she wouldn't be so cocky. Alright. Claw Claw does a 24 hit. Yes, it does. Alright. For 14 damage. Okay. And she is going to take a a minus two to AC. Does okay. it sixteen hit? Well, it's a minus four versus you if you're if you're talking oh, about your, yeah. your bewildering oh, thing. Oh shoot! Yeah. So does a sixteen hit with a minus four? No. Wow. Wow. Now you said something about draining her strength, though. Yes. Uh, she is going to take one more point in strength. That would be from your pressure points rogue talent, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Wait a minute. Oh, Nick's getting to me. Wait, what? A 16 did hit. <laughs> because Ty doesn't so. go to the defender. <laughs> Should that? Oh, Should. my God. See, uh, even in your, your heart of hearts, you know it should be this way. <laughs> yeah, so it must wrong. be if I make that mistake once every three years. <laughs> All right, uh, that's 11 damage, and that is another point to strength. Well, she felt that for sure. You can see her limbs kind of starting to shake a little bit. She's taking four strength damage now between you and Uhtred. She seems a little uh, a little flustered. Uh, Thalias. Yay. Well, not like it matters, though, because I'm just walking to the garden. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> God damn it. I'm like getting all prepared and shit, like thinking about my play, and then wait, uh, no, you silly. So I, I keep walking then. Okay, but cool. I walk, I walk real casual, like like I'm in no hurry to meet this bitch in the garden. Right, right. Okay, so as uh, Thalias is descending the stairs, uh, Rogyar, you are at the bottom of this tower, and you can hear his footsteps growing closer. What do you do? As uh, as Thalias is clopping his way down the stairs. Rogar starts to feel nauseous again, and he turns to his right and sees the open door 
leading back into what was the endless hallway with the mocking pictures. And he's just like, it's the only way I can go. I got to get away from this guy. He, he turns and starts to, to move through the door. Okay. So that door, it leads to not quite uh, that far. It doesn't lead to the hallway. It leads to that uh, like sitting room where you guys fought the guardian scroll. But yeah, so you make your way in there and you can still hear the the voice of your son echoing in your head. And once you get into that room and you're like even more isolated from everybody else, the echoing in your head, like the, the echo starts to fade and it's like almost like you're hearing your son in the room with you. And then you see a faded translucent image of a young dwarf step out from behind one of the chairs in the sitting room. You immediately recognize your son, Dolren. He seems to absorb what little light there is in the room, and he's shrouded in shadow. And he steps out and stands in place, staring at you with sorrow in his eyes. You never came back. You made me pass on alone with no one else. No, no, I, I, I was there. I helped. I, I did what I could. And he, his, his feet leave the floor, and he begins floating through the air. And he glides across the room and circles around you, just shouting, You let me die! You never understood me! You don't even care! And Rogar just kind of like falls to his knees, like head in his hands, just going, No, 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 I didn't. And now it's Uhtred's turn. I'm going to try and cast Frostbite defensively. Okay. Uh, so that's an 18. So I do it. Boom. So now I got three charges of that in my scimitar. And I will use my spell uh, strike ability, my spell combat ability, to now deliver it with my scimitar. Okay. On her face. Uh, that's a 20 to hit. 20 will hit. So that's going to be four damage from the scimitar. Then she's going to take eight non-lethal cold damage. She's fatigued. She gets no save. And then because I dealt non-lethal damage using my using a melee weapon I'll use my brawler background feat to throw in a little intimidate with a 15 to intimidate 15's not gonna do it well take damage and get fatigued okay this is Mrs. Petapulp's turn and uh, her regeneration kicks in and she's going to take a 5 foot step out of that flank and make a concentration check cast a spell defensively. I rolled a 26 to know what it is. You identify the spell she's about to cast as sleep. Uh, causes magical slumber <laughs> to come upon oh my God. Uh, four hit die worth of creatures. Uh, creatures with the fewest hit die are affected first. Among creatures with equal hit die, those who are closest to the spell's point of origin are affected first. Sleeping creatures are helpless, although you know that slapping or wounding uh, awakens an affected creature, but normal noise does not. Uh, doing so is a standard action. There you go. Uh, so, Vipira, I would like a will save, please. I needed that to be high, and I'm pretty happy with that number. 20 on the will save. That's a good number. With a 20, Vipira fights off the sleep. Yeah. Holy shit. <sighs> nice. And now it's Vipira's turn. Um, I'm going to save my turn until after Uhtred gets into a better flanking position for me to get to. Okay. 
that makes the uh, the AC debuff that Vipira's debilitating injury gave her last round go away. So she does no longer have, she no longer has no. a penalty to her. AC. She actually it only lasts for one round. Tom. Well, no, one round per uh, time that I hit her, I can make it last for two rounds because I hit her twice with it. I think it just resets the duration. Oh, these penalties do not stack with themselves, but additional attacks that deal sneak attack damage extend the duration by one round. Huh. So Tom's right. He gets he's got she's got those for another round. It's almost like I read that. Yeah. No. Good call. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, then it is Thalias' turn. <sighs> yeah. So nothing changed. Oh, I'm still doing me. Marching down those stairs. Living my life. And uh, I'll go 20 more feet towards the garden. Okay. Uh, and that brings us back to Rogyar, who is uh, being all kinds of tormented by this uh, image of his son. Uh, but then, Rogyar, you feel something hot burning in your pocket. And it grows hotter and hotter, and then a white light bleeds through the fabric. And you see a second Dolrin, though this Dolrin is faded and translucent, just like the first one. He seems to be giving off light instead of absorbing it. And the floating Dolrin that's been, like, hovering around your head and shouting at you. He looks at the new Dolrin with disgust, and he says, Get out of here! And the new Dolrin just smiles sadly at the floating one. He says, like Dad used to say, when love is given, love should be returned. Hate gives no life. And Dolrin jumps into the air and seems to turn into a streak of light and obliterates the floating Dolrin on contact. And the streak of light swirls around the room and then suddenly darts back at you and disappears. And all you're aware of is the burning hot thing in your pocket. Rogar just, like, staggers to his feet and... And like reaches into his pocket and pulls out that that little carved bird that his son gave him before he passed on. And he's just kind of looking at it like, thank you, my boy. I won't let you down again. And as you're uh, staring at this carved bird, it starts to glow again. And you can feel like part of your own essence uh, is like sinking up with it. And the carving of the bird doesn't change, but... Uh, almost like a soul leaving a body uh, like a formless streak of light leaves this the the carving of the bird and it circles around your head a couple times and it lands on your shoulder and uh, Matt would you like to uh, describe what this creature is and what it's doing so this creature that just appeared it's made like of like swirling air that just kind of seems to be taking shape and it takes the shape of a creature called a Ramparinkus, which, for those of you who are not paleontologists, is basically a small pteranodon, like a cat-sized pteranodon. And uh, it acts as a familiar for me that I took with my fourth level ability called Elemental Whispers. This particular familiar gives me a plus four bonus on initiative checks. And just for, you know... And the Elemental Whispers is a little weird. Normally, just having a familiar grants you the benefits of the alertness feat and whatever bonus that the familiar itself grants. Um, with my ability, I only get those bonuses while I'm not concentrating on like manifesting the creature like it is right now. So like I don't gain those current benefits right now while it's manifested on my shoulder. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So yeah, Rogier's got a uh, got a familiar, and uh, yeah, you have your whole turn ahead of you. So uh, what does Rogier do? Well, Rogier's still feeling really nauseous, and he knows that Thalias is coming. I am inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> but by that same token, Rogier just went through this whole traumatic event of, like, basically hit. <laughs> he went through an eternity of falling with his son accusing him of leaving him behind. And Rogier is done leaving people behind. So he is going to turn around and try to fight through this nausea to get past Thalias to get back to the top of this tower. So he's just got to take Thalias out first and then go help his friends. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing that Thalias is like getting, he's approaching the bottom of these stairs. So Rogier kind of like walks back into the room as much as he can. And then, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, jump my way back up these stairs as high as I can. See how much of this how much of these stairs I can cut out of the way. So, yeah, fuck it. This this sounds like a heroic time, so hero point and burn. Yes. Oh, it's a lot of spice in there. All right, so I'm adding a plus eight to this acrobatics check. So I got an 11 on the acrobatics, plus eight is a 19, which is not much. That's That's like... Uh, it's normally a three foot jump. It automatically doubles to a six foot jump. So I jumped 12 feet up, which, you know, is impressive, but not nearly what I was hoping to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say that with jumping 12 feet up will still put you farther up the stairs than how far down Thalias is. So All right, you, I'll take that. you do manage to, uh, to not have At to least get on the other side of Thalias. Yeah. You don't have to walk past that icky, icky man. <laughs> and Rogiar is on his way back to the battle. And now it's Uhtred's turn. Uhtred is going to take a five-foot step, and he's going to swing that mighty scimitar of his. Put my Lord Richter dice in my offhand so I can summon <laughs> its powers. Uh-oh. Oh, the power oh, of the Lord Richter dice! It's so strong! It's so strong. Uh, it's an 18 on the dice for a crit threat. With a 21 to confirm that crit. Yeah, that's going to confirm. Oh, I love you, Lord Richter. I got to say, you guys are really deflating all the tension that we left last week off, and I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how, how we do. All right, so uh, Let's get a crit first card. I'd like to hear a crit card. So this is a fan crit. This is from our very special patron, known only to us as Glory Hole Payments. Oh yeah, my favorite, my favorite form of payments. What a name! <laughs> All right, so the slashing crit. This is called in the face. This deals double damage, so actual crit damage, and the target is blinded for one d four rounds. Oh no! Oh, but hey. I get the hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow your roll. I get to choose between slashing and magical. Oh shit, that's true. Oh shit, oh, you're right. Like, fuck. You are very right. So the magic portion of this crit is called Elsa's timeout. So normal damage, so non-crit damage, and the target is helpless in ice, as if under the effects of the icy prison spell with the same partial reflex save. Fucking what? Wow. Awesome. Now, I have a question. So this uh, it's normal damage, but yeah. 
I have the ability to spend two key points or two arcana points yeah. to increase my crit multiplier by one. So if you so it, so that would make it a two instead of a three for this crit. Yeah. So basically, double damage means whatever the weapon's crit modifier is. Normal damage is one less than that. So for most weapons, it's just normal damage. But if your weapon right. has a times so I, three mod multiplier and the crit card says normal damage, then your weapon deals double damage. Okay, so I Uhtred will spend the two key points to increase the crit multiplier by one. Okay, nice. All right, and for reference, I've just pulled up the Icy Prison spell. So you trap the target in solid ice, one inch thick per caster level. So this is four inch thick ice. Okay. Uh, she has to make a reflex save. If it fails the save, it is helpless in the ice. If it makes the save, it gains the entangled condition, but can otherwise act normally. Jesus. Okay. And whether or not the target saves... Um, no, I... The way the crit reads to me is it just has, like... It's only e the helpless effect. Right, because Icy Prison also comes with with a, a cold damage effect, but yeah. I don't think that's part of the crit. Right. Really? I do... Because I think the crit said functions as the spell. No, it says... It says target is helpless as if under the effects of that spell. Oh, okay. Although okay. I do really appreciate that we got that crit card when Uhtred crits using a cold spell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, shit. I imagine for that crit, like, uh, you see my sword start to, like, ice up a little bit, get a little frosty. When he slashes through, all of a sudden, like... Ice particles start to form in the open open wound and grow out from there. Okay. Frosty. Uh, so that's the crit that we're going with. Uh, thank you, Glory Hole Payments, by the way. That both of those were fucking awesome. <laughs> Alright, so I have to roll double damage. So that's gonna be another So it's times three. Um, another three D sixes. So wait, yep. which which and crit also, are you going so, with? The blind one or the ice yeah. one? I'm gonna go with the ice one. Okay. Try and set her up for the coup de grace. So the okay. So so that's already set up here. Roll but, oh, you need to roll the the cold damage again. Yeah, you just need to roll one more for the cold damage. Oh, I see. So that's another D six plus four. Oh, hey, maxed it. So, all right, let's hold on. It's gonna be thirteen damage from the scimitar, and then it's gonna be fifteen non-lethal cold damage, and. I will make another attempt to intimidate. Yep, and then she needs to make a reflex save with a DC of 21, because that was the crit confirm, because that's how the crits work. It's the crit confirm roll, not the initial... Yeah, it's the confirmation roll is the DC of, of whatever save it needs to make. And my intimidate check is a 22. You'll only ever be an assistant. <laughs> They're re really plucking at her diva spheres there, Nick. <laughs> hey, uh, that's what this place is all about, right? Yeah, no, it's appropriate. Well, so a natural five on the D20 is not going to make that reflex save. So here's what we're looking at. <laughs> oh, God. Between uh, Vipira's stellar damage rolls last turn, Uhtred's crit this turn, she's actually unconscious right now. As well Ooh. as and helpless. Yeah, so she's on. She's helpless because she's unconscious, and also helpless because she's entombed in ice and failed her reflex save. And it's now Vipira's turn. Pick up that goddamn dagger. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I so I pick up the dagger and I actually hand it off. Uh, uh, I, I hand it off to Utrid. Utrid. Vipira just 
it, it takes a moment in her head because she's just like, you showed me a past that I did not want to visit. And uh, Vipira goes to grab the dagger. Um, Uhtred, I don't... I don't believe in just murdering for the sake of murdering, but... Nor do I. This woman's dangerous. If if you wish to do the honors, and she, like, holds out her... And she holds out her, like, hands, like, shakily. Uh, like, pure rage is just coursing through her veins. Uhtred will take the dagger from uh, Vipira's hands, and he'll say... I, too, do not like taking life needlessly, but this is far from needless, and when it calls for, I will do what is necessary. And he will try and coup de gras this uh, spider lady with this well, alchemical-coated silver dagger. Before he has a chance to do that, like, that was the end of Vipira's turn, and now it's Mrs. Petapalp's turn, and... She's going through her regeneration, uh, which kicks in, and she wakes back up. She's <gasps> and she like, like her eyes like dart around, looking at what's going on. She's like tries to move, and she's. <sighs> I'm so, I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 I was just. I, 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 I didn't mean anything by it. Just don't. You don't. You don't. You don't have to go through with this. I, I'll just leave. You'll you'll never you'll never hear from me again. You don't you don't need to do this. I'm sorry too. I don't mean anything by it either. But you stand between me and getting back to the material plane. And I don't have to though. I can I can step aside. There'll be nothing between you and what you want to do. I'm just a pathetic, just pathetic creature, and I was just in over my head and I didn't mean it and I'm sorry and I'll just I'll never bother anyone again if you just let me go please what do you do I still have the dagger I actually have the dagger yeah you got the dagger are we still in initiative uh technically but the only thing that can happen between the end of her doing that and you going is Vipira going and doing something the the more she begs and the louder she gets, the less Uhtred hears and sees her. And he just starts to kind of... His world around him starts to form back to dead bodies of his companions. And this large, massive red creature charging at him. And him just frozen in fear. And that's never going to happen again to Uhtred. So he raises the dagger. And he doesn't even see her helpless in the ice and he plunges it down okay so as a, a coup de gras that is hold on am i pronouncing that right there's a coup de grass i think it's supposed to be coup de gras coup de gras okay well, shows what i know so a coup de gras is an automatic critical hit so go ahead and let's and let's not do like a crit card or anything it's just an automatic critical hit double damage go ahead and roll that and after you've dealt after you've dealt the damage, she needs to make a fortitude save against that damage. If she fails, she automatically dies regardless of how many hit points she has remaining. The damage might Wait, still kill her I'm, outright, but 
I'm just making a damage roll. Just yeah, just roll a crit for that silver dagger. So that's what two d four. Two d four plus your strength minus one, because the dagger has a minus one penalty to damage. Uh, I don't think my strength is adding anything. Yeah. So two d four minus one. It's five damage. So she needs to make a DC 15 fortitude save, or she just dies outright. Oh, it's 10 Unless plus that the damage? just killed her anyway. It's 10 plus damage. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that sounds a lot more uh, dangerous. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For her fortitude save, I got a 14. Yes! Ooh! Oh. So, Uhtred, you plunge that silver dagger into Mrs. Petapalp, and she dies. Uh, with the dagger in her and Uhtred's head, like kind of like hung down, almost looking at his feet, he'll say, please don't judge me too harshly, Vipira. Pull the dagger out of her. Vipira, like, I, I feel like Vipira at this point shares like a very dark moment with Uhtred. Like, she sees the similar like, kind of look. I, sh- like, I can't imagine that she was the only one to receive seven said images. Yeah. So like I think we're all kind of aware that each one of us had something really fucked up happen to us in the past and we've all kind of been dealing with it in here. Yeah, so like Vipira the moment that like, you know, he like lowers uh lowers his head, uh puts a like a hand on her shoulder, uh on his shoulder. It it needed to be done. And if you didn't I was going to, and I'm not, I'm not comfortable with saying it, but it, she needed to die. I'm getting a, uh, a mental image in my head of like Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, like just both looking down at her, like executioner style and just like staring into her eyes as the life leaves them and like just feeling nothing and just sharing that moment together. And then Rogar appears at the top of the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you bitch, where'd you like, get over here? <laughs> oh. It's done with Rogar. As much as it kind of undercuts the whole uh, scene, I'm, I'm looking up the suggestion spell, and uh, I don't think. Thalias is released from that <laughs> compulsion upon her death. I think it just continues until the duration you runs out. You right now. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I'm I doing mean, a wicked force jump. Bring the body down. Yeah. Uh, the question um, is, oh, okay. did, Uch- did Uhtred uh, spellcraft that spell? Like, yes. Did he know what she was doing? Okay, so yeah. Uhtred would would make a note that before we leave, he'll say something about like, we need to bring this body down to break Thalias's enchant or blood, whatever. Um, okay, so wow, like even even though the fight ended kind of abruptly with like how much it was dragged out from last week, like I just like I'm just like taking a like a moment to like kind of reflect on that because that was a really uh, really dicey Intense. fight. Yeah. So. You guys are free to go back down the tower. Is there anything you want to do before you leave, though? Yeah, I want to detect magic and loot the fuck out of whatever's up here and her body. Oh, yeah. All right. So give me the loot. Give me the loot. So on Salaghara, 
you find two magical items. You find a belt of mighty constitution plus two, and you find bracers of armor plus one. Um, while you're detecting magic, you, you, you just have this overwhelming aura that is distracting you from pretty much anything else coming from up the stairs to the, uh, like the second half of the room. That's not our job. I assume that's the uh, dream machine thing. Yeah. Uchu okay. did roll a spellcraft check of a 29 to uh, see what kind of magic aura is coming off of it. It's just, it's super powerful conjuration magic. You, you, you can kind of see like the top half of it from over the, like the edge of the landing from your, from where you stand. Um, and it's just like this big uh, vertical hoop with this like just swirling cloud inside. And you know that that uh, is most likely the dream gate, which allows passage between planes and presumably based on everything Salaghara and Mrs. Petapelp have said to the dimension of dreams with a 29, you know that the way it is currently calibrated creatures can enter this dimension, this plane from the dimension of dreams, but travel from here to the dimension of dreams uh, will not work. Okay. And you, you're also, uh, I'm sorry, you're also picking up three other magical auras. Yeah, what are those? Probably like took you until just now to even uh, notice them, just from the uh, the overwhelming distraction that the Dreamgate is putting off. They're coming from uh, there's like three cosmological models down on the like the ground floor where you guys are in E21. Are you gonna want three more spellcraft checks, or I would like two more spellcraft checks. I'll give you I'll give you one with the spellcraft check you already gave me. So it's going to be a 29, 26, 25 for all three. Wow. All right. So, yeah, you identify all three of those. And you actually figure out that in order to, like, the the astrological models themselves aren't magical, but they can each be opened up. And, like, it's, like, a very obvious, like, click this button and it opens up kind of like a, like a jewelry case or something. And I do. And uh, it would appear that, like, there's a magic item inside each of these models acting as kind of like a uh, like a power component for the astrological models. And uh, in the first one, you find a magical ring, which you identify as a ring of feather falling. The ring acts exactly as a feather fall spell, activated immediately if the wearer falls more than five feet. In the second model, you find a stone cube, which you identify as a stone of alarm. When given the command word, it affixes itself to any object. If that object is touched thereafter by anyone who does not first speak uh, the same command word used to activate it, the stone emits a piercing screech for one hour that can be heard up to a quarter mile away, assuming there are no intervening barriers. And the third uh, astrological model opens up and you see a small black sphere uh, like a lusterless pearl, which you identify as a bead of force. A bead of force can be thrown up to 60 feet with no range penalties. Upon sharp impact, the bead explodes, sending forth a burst that deals 5d6 points of force damage to all creatures within a 10-foot radius. Once thrown, a bead of force functions like a resilient sphere spell with a radius of 10 feet and a duration of 10 minutes. 
A globe of shimmering force encloses a creature, provided the, the creature is small enough to fit within the diameter of the sphere. The sphere contains its subject for the spell's duration. The sphere is not subject to damage of any sort except from a rod of cancellation, a rod of negation, a disintegrate spell, or a targeted dispel magic. These effects destroy the sphere without harm to the subject. Nothing can pass through the sphere inside or out, though the subject can breathe normally. The subject may struggle, but the globe cannot be physically moved either by people outside it or by the strugglers, struggles of those within. The explosion completely consumes the bead, making this a one-use item. And uh, the 5d6 points of damage to everyone within a 10-foot radius, it doesn't look like there's any saving throw or anything for that. Yeah, that's that's hefty. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you find those three items. All right, so uh, yeah, what's everybody doing? Like Rogyar's uh, laying claim to a belt, but I don't know. Maybe you guys want to wait until you've got your whole party present to start distributing. Well, all right, yeah. Let's. Um, I think Uhtred would pick up the body, kind of slump it over his shoulder, and say, uh, "I think it's about time we left this terrible, terrible place." I agree with you, Uhtred. I agree. And uh, start making our way back out of this scary-torium. Oh. Lol. Love. So I, will take that, uh, I will take that that silver dagger back from I guess, whoever's got it. As Uhtred gets to the top of the stairs where Rogar is standing, he'll uh, flip it around and offer it back to Rogar, uh, handle first. Uh, I'm glad you decided to come back for us. I don't think Thalias is coming back anytime soon. I wouldn't blame the lad for that one. Well, well I see, see he didn't really fault. need us. Well, I think, Grogar, if I've learned anything in our times here, is we need each other all the time. Uh, that's that's a true one. Alright, so you guys uh, start making the long trek back down the tower uh, through the sitting room, through the hallway with the paintings and come out in the garden which has uh mysteriously been drained of all the water that was flooding it so you guys uh you exit that hallway and uh rogyar you uh you're kind of stopped in your tracks you can't go any farther because you can't get that oh, close yeah. to thalias are we still doing that uh, it's apparently going for a few days what days with a Z? <laughs> Disease. For days. Uh, Thalias, uh, you you turn around, you see Vipera and Uhtred approaching you. You see uh, Mrs. Petapelp's dead body strung over Uhtred's shoulder and the magical compulsion forcing you to wait in the garden is lifted. Oh, thank God. You guys did it. Yeah, yeah, we were... We were able to dispatch her, as you can see. I know you. Is everyone were... all right? Yeah, for I, uh, for the most part, I think we're we're pretty okay. I uh, I'm gonna cast healing on the group just in case, because this wouldn't be the first time where uh, you know uh, something something horrible happens as soon as uh, we think we're okay. I haven't taken any damage. Yeah, I don't think Celestia. she did any damage to anyone. No, she way. she just had those. So she just did those all those fuckery spells. I don't think she actually hurt any of us. I'm literally missing all four right. damage, and that was after you hit me with the uh, the big yeah. baddie bead. Okay, well, if no one's hurt, then um, let's see. I want to take a look at her body and uh, make sure she's dead. Do a little. Uh, I mean, I believe you guys, but 
I walk over to her body and what do I see, Alex? This is the first time I'm seeing her her dead. Yeah. I think uh what's the duration on that ice spell? Is she still encased in ice? Um, the duration of that was like I think it was like a minute per level. But Okay. Um It can also be like you can like chip away at it and everything, so Alright, yeah. So she is uh yeah, she's definitely dead, and you can see this like big, open, festering wound uh, wherever uh, Ut- wherever Utrid uh, stabbed her with the silver dagger, as if like just the co- contact with it just kind of like like corroded her her flesh, and it just looks like it's like like months old, gross, Ugh. festering wound. I can't stare. It. I can't stand to look at it, so I'll divert my eyes and sort of talk with my back to uh, her body. What now? Do we report to Salagara outside? I think yes. I want that last stamp. Let's finally get off these fucking dead roads. Alright. I I give everyone a a pat on the back and sort of lead the way outside. Okay. If if you go to come near Rogar to give him a pat on the back, he retreats back to the tower. I mean, if you're way over there, that is peculiar. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna pat you on the back because you're so far away. But I'll yell over, Rogar. Hello. Wait, that spell. Great job, everybody. That spell would end with her death. Rogar is just over there, like, <laughs> like trying not to vomit. <laughs> okay, I'll chalk that up to a little uh, post-boss fight jitters. For he, that, pro- at least. <laughs> he probably just needs a pep talk from his best friend Thalias. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll pep talk him later. Okay. So you guys are able to leave the scriptorium with no issues. You uh, you emerge onto the front steps, and uh, you see Salakara. She's got her arms crossed. I She's dump ar- the body at her feet, and she she like looks down at the body. I put she out looks- my non-sword hand to receive my stamp. Yeah, she's looking back stamp, up at you please. guys, and she's just like, "Took you long enough." <sighs> Very well. And she like kind of she kind of looks around. And she's Where's the other one? The dwarf. He's he's coming. He's got a bit of an upset tummy. Apparently this guy revolts him and I like thumb over towards Thalias. What? Yeah, she casts some spell on him and apparently whenever you're within a certain range he gets all nauseated. I don't know why. Oh. I think you're a pretty decent looking fellow. I've certainly seen way uglier. You're better looking than me. I blush. So, well, Salakara, how long is this going to go on then? Well, this isn't the time for it. Salakara kind of rolls her eyes. She says, why don't you just dispel it? And how would you like me to do that with my non-existent dispel magic? Yeah. I still haven't lowered my hand yet. And I kind of like, you know, jiggle it like Come enough on. She rolls her eyes again and says, forgive me. I assumed as a, a full adventuring group, one of you would have the ability to dispel magic. People who couldn't There's... clean their own messes should be very thankful. Do you, do you know how to dispel magic? Well, there's a, there should be a scroll of dispel magic somewhere in there. I think it's in the sitting room at the bottom of the tower. It's the un- unidentified one that we couldn't, yeah, it's the one we couldn't identify there. <sighs> Apparently you're in as big a hurry as I am, so I suppose I can get this over with. And she uh, she reaches in her pocket and she uh, takes out this very nice-looking uh, quill for each of you uh, presenting your non-dominant hands. 
she uh, she writes a series of strange runes like diagonally across your palm and uh, then once after she gets the three of you uh, or at least uh, Thalias and Thalias is able to just kind of like walk out of, uh, a little bit Rogar is able to come outside and get his own stamp and uh, once you all have your stamps uh, the scriptorium vanishes from your uh, sight and all you can see is this swirling mist and in the mist you see a skeleton dressed in very cheerful bright clothes like a fancy dress the crown of flowers and you hear mctana's voice you have continued forward despite my warnings i consider this a failing on my part for only showing you a fraction of what is truly at stake Natural ecosystems, empires, these come and go. You must understand the true scope of the danger you pose. I will try. The positive energy plane is a place of unlimited energy, a planar forge with limitless potential, scattered all throughout this plane like pollen in the wind drift formless quintessence the building blocks of the multiverse over time the plane infuses these sparks of force with its own vigor and potential creating souls unaligned thoughtless souls but with more time they seep from the positive energy plane into the material plane where they're guided to worlds already rich with life and finally, find rest within the infants of intelligent races. The soul grows with the infant, adapting more rigid alignments of philosophy with each new experience and action. When the infant has grown old and died, the soul detaches itself and continues its journey across the multiverse. It travels up the ethereal plane, across the astral plane, and finally, it arrives in the boneyard, where Pharasma and her courts judge its past deeds and philosophies and send it to one of the other outer planes as its final reward. Whether the soul is sent to heaven, the abyss, or anywhere in between, it starts a new life there, just as its former mortal body passed. Though these souls do not burn forever, some lucky few ascend into more powerful outsiders, such as myself, but most eventually find a comfortable place on their plane and simply become inert. They stop moving, and just as their mortal body was consumed by the earth, they slowly fuse into the quintessence of their plane. Do you understand? Do you? Do you understand now? These planes are in essence built entirely of souls. This is the end of the journey of an individual soul, but it is not the end of the cycle. The Maelstrom, one of the primary outer planes with its consistent churning and wearing. Endlessly erodes away at the other planes, just as a rough ocean surf slowly consumes a rocky cliff. 
The maelstrom chips away at the aligned quintessence from their planes. Sometimes mere grains at a time. And at others, entire worlds can fall into the maelstrom. All of this quintessence swirls through the maelstrom and gets spewed out the other side in a great column of energy called the antipode. The quintessence now rubbed fully clean of all memories and alignments is sent from here back to the positive energy plane where it starts the cycle anew. The five of you are abominations to this cycle. You must understand you must not be allowed to return to the land of the living. The obols piercing your hearts. You see them as your saviors. They are the harbingers of the end of days. If these blights on the natural world are able to spread their unnatural curse to other mortals, you will be putting a stopper on the very river on which all creation flows. If mortal souls are not allowed to leave their vessels when they, their time has come, they will never become part of the Outer Plains. Without new souls to build onto themselves, the Outer Plains will be washed away entirely by the Maelstrom. All will be consumed by the Great Storm. Without the natural borders of the Outer Plains, the Maelstrom will have unlimited room to grow flowing up the astral plane like an estuary of destruction and into the ethereal plane where it will be allowed to consume the inner planes including the material the very world on which you once lived would crumble into pieces killing everyone and everything on it as would be the fate of every world within the plane of mortals as well as every plane beyond and with no ethereal plane the souls of those lost would be unable to begin their journey to the boneyard, which itself would also no longer exist. The gods themselves would not escape unharmed. Most deities would likewise be consumed by the maelstrom, or else slowly fade into oblivion. <sighs> oblivion. That is what your return to the land of the living represents. Please. For the good of the balance, submit yourselves to the river of souls. Allow me to end this terrible fate before it can begin. And you're back at the scriptorium. Jeez. Well, that was heavy. Serious? She speaks of balance. But where was that balance when all of Rostlokoffer was annihilated? Balance is only for when it's convenient for the gods, never for us mortals. I second that, Uhtred. Also, I have these claws, which is just gonna fill those planes just as easily as our four bodies. I'll create more bodies in my wake. And kind of just like, get it like really jazzed up. She's just like, there's gonna be more murders. Like, she's gonna better murder Hobo. <laughs> they better make room in hell. Salagar is kind of like looking sideways at you guys and like she she doesn't know what what you guys just saw or heard uh but she says well with my stamp of passage that should be all you need to return to the material plane but I know that McTain is still out there I would recommend caution 
I don't know what she has planned, but I do owe you for what you've done for me today. And uh, she kind of looks over the the four of you and uh, either with either Thalias or Rogi are kind of standing off 60 feet. She says, uh, I can offer one of you my own regenerative abilities for a short time. She like looks at all of you. She says, who is, um, which of you is the most responsible? Thalias looks around like, it's not me, is it? Is it like it's pretty down split three ways between Uhtred, Thalias, and Rogar. <laughs> you could have just said not Vipira. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Vipira three times. <laughs> I mean, Rogar would definitely look to Uhtred for this. I would think as the keeper of the light, I would fill that role best. Whoa. Uhtred oh. just voluntarily called himself the Keeper of the Light. And you didn't see really any kind of tick to it. Wow. Very cool. Okay. So, Salaghara says, uh, hold out your other arm. Not the one that I just... The, 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 your, your dominant arm. Hold out that one. I hold out my sword arm. Uh, and she etches a glyph on uh, your arm with the same pen, the same quill, and... She explains that for the next 72 hours, should you fall, you will have a Breath of Life effect cast on you. Huh. Dang. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, McTana really will have to kill me twice over after all my blustering? (laughs) Sounds like (laughs) it, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, Nick, go ahead and take a hero point. Nice. Okay, so uh, what do you guys do now? Well, I continue to press her. Do you have any way to stop this nonsense of them being separated? I know you said the scroll. We dealt with that. And then she kind of remembers. Didn't we pick up a scroll from in there? Uhtred, lad, do you still have that, that scroll that we found in the lounge? Didn't... I think Salakara mentioned it's a scroll of Dispel Magic, right? Yes, I, I have it. Salakara, would you, would you mind using the scroll to dispel this so that I don't have to run away from my friend. She like rolls her eyes again. She says, she says, wow, you're about as useless as my, as my staff. Fine. Oh. And she takes the scroll from you. I will warn you that this is not a guaranteed fix. Yeah, but I also figure she'll have a better shot at it than Uhtred would. Well, the caster level is based on the scroll, not her. Oh, so yeah, still. This is better than waiting till tomorrow to, to know if we're going to need this or not. Although I think the spell magic is on my spell list. It definitely is. But you would, yeah, you'd still need to wait until tomorrow to identify it. Although on the other hand, she can't spend any hero points. I'm just throwing that out there. If everybody thinks that this is the best course of action, uh, here I go. All right, well, make your caster level check. Okay. Salakar is going to do it. Yeah. Do it. So the DC I need to make is 16. It's 11 plus the caster level. And the caster level of the scroll of Dispel Magic is 5th. So I literally have a 50-50 shot. Okay. So I'm just going to roll a d20. And on an 11 or higher, the spell is uh, dispelled. Come on, dice gods. Here we go. Hey, I got an 11. (laughs) Yes! Woo! Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> that was tight. 
Wow. So <laughs> you're telling me that's tight. Wow. Yeah. So Rogar, you are no longer. And the funny thing is, the spell is active on Thalias, but the person it's affecting is Rogar. So, yeah. So she dispels the spell, and Rogar, you are no longer. Uh, you don't feel that like utter. Repulsion. I'm no longer repulsed by Thalias's presence. Yeah. <laughs> My God. That's nice. All right. So what do you guys do? Uh, so how do these stamps work? Do we click our heels three times and say there's no place like home? Nope, you still need to finish traversing the dead roads. Uh, what the stamps do is allow you to traverse like the next stretch of it. So if you had tried to like just skip like the Palace of Teeth after like so long of walking, like the dead roads would have just ended and you would have like wound up back in the boneyard. Uh, okay. Well. We get back, back on the road again. Yeah. Thalias yeah. is pretty uh, disappointed that it's not a click your feet together and get teleported <laughs> home type deal. Well, should we like, spread it kind of the... sucks that we have to keep going yeah. now after yeah, this. Yeah, wouldn't that be the greatest sure thing ever? <laughs> should we spread the loot now? Uh, I'd probably do it now. All right. Well, the big things, I mean, we got the Ring of Featherfall, which personally I think should go to Thalias. They yeah. like me. The guy they who's really most like likely no, to just fail the acrobatics most, yeah. check and fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I I hold out my hand like a like a bride to be. <laughs> <laughs> he holds out one hand. The other hand's like fanning his face. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I will jump off a roof with you. <laughs> All right. That was a good pick. <laughs> who's getting the um, belt of constitution yeah like i said uh Rogyar would definitely like that but i understand constitution is kind of important to everyone so who wants to throw in their lot for it i'd probably throw in mine uh, i think utrid will sit it out since he got the bracers as much as he could use the belt oh i love how utrid kind of gave himself the bracers without discussing it with anybody I'm well we all kind of said he's the only one that can it. use it so yeah. here you go yeah i know <laughs> Well, before I before I throw in my lot here, um, like, has uh, Rogyar had anything, or or it, like magic items? Yeah, I think the only thing I've gotten so far, I I have the nine eaves key, and like and that that silver dagger. That's all I've gotten oh, so okay. far. Okay, so then Vipira would probably be like, like, uh, yeah, you probably should have it. And that leaves the Stone of Alarm and the Beat of Force. Well, assuming Thalias doesn't want the belt. No, I'm good. Thanks for thinking of me, though, as I'm continuing to fan myself. <laughs> well, the bead should go to either Rogyar or Vipira. Uh, stone, the Stone of Alarm is pretty, like, out of combat kind of thing that can just kind of, like, someone's like, yo, let's put the Stone of Alarm on this thing. So, like, I... For yeah, that, that could just kind of go in a backpack, yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, who's... Who would be best? Who would the beat of force, you know, best serve to just have it, be able to make that ranged attack and trap somebody? Be one of the two dex guys. I mean, mine's yeah. a fourteen, but I'm pretty sure both Rogar and Vipira are higher than a fourteen. Um, well, R- Vipira's is higher, but Rogar's my I'm also the character who's shot. got exactly. I've got the ranged feats to to deal with that. Yeah, that makes more sense. Well, then probably should go to Rogar. It's a one-time use, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm fine with that if, again, if no one wants to really, like, argue push for it. Yeah, Vipira is probably, like, crossing her arms, but she's not going to say no to that. 
She just wants to look stubborn. And uh, as you guys are getting ready to leave, uh, Salakara says, wait. And she uh, she takes out the quill that she uh, was using to mark you guys. And she kind of like, a- as if as if you're inconveniencing her to do this, she kind of like sighs and rolls her eyes again. She like holds it out to you to take. Okay. She going to tell us what it does? I mean, Uchid will take it from her since he wants to be writing scrolls. You say, well, what does it do? And she she sighs again. She explains that it's a soul scribe quill. This elaborate red and black quill contains an endless reservoir of red ink that resembles fresh blood. Once per day, when within five feet of a living creature with negative one or fewer hit points, the bear can activate this quill as a standard action by scribing a short sentence in the air with it describing the dying creature's death. If the victim fails a DC 15 will save, it dies, and the bearer gains a plus 5 profane bonus on bluff, diplomacy, and sense motive checks, a plus 1 profane bonus to caster level for spell-like abilities, and a plus 2 enhancement bonus to charisma for 10 minutes per hit die of the victim. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's your uh, it's your death note quill. Wow. Alright, so... Uh, yeah, with that, you guys uh, continue your trek down the dead roads. Kind of like um, as we start, Uchard's got to kind of lag to the, the back of the line a little bit and just kind of turn around and take a long last look at the Scaritorium. And he's going to look down at his scimitar really more to himself than anyone else. He's going to say, let's go get my fucking sword back. And he'll turn around, sheath his scimitar, and start walking away. And for probably the first time in Uhtred's life, he feels like he's finally starting to earn the title Keeper of the Light. He just needs the light back now. Nice. He actually wants it. Like It's almost been a relief that he hasn't had Vala with him. But for the first time since we woke up in that tomb... There's like a burning desire that he needs to reconnect with Vala. Very nice. All right, and with that, you guys uh, continue your hike. And uh, it's kind of unclear how long you need to uh, walk for. And several hours pass. You guys going to look for a comfy part of the roads to camp out on? Yeah, you're so cute. Comfy part of the roads. Look for a part of the roads. Like, it's all the same. We don't, we don't we don't get to come to any uh, fun little crossroads with a, a a ghostly inn or something to stay in this time. Yeah, there's no murderers anywhere to murder us while we're sleeping. Uh, let me check my notes, see what I have. Okay, so there's this uh, big slaughterhouse that you guys find. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no, it's just it's just more dead roads. Then yeah, we'll camp on the roads, like All the right. good old days. We skipping watches tonight. No. Fuck right off with that. All right, well. Second watch. Okay. Uchud will take his customary last watch. All right. Uh, I'll take first watch. All right. And Rogar will take third watch with Uchud. Okay. So you guys uh, bed down for the night. Viper, give me a perception check. I mean, I'll take it. Uh, a, A 14. 14. You don't spot anything out of the ordinary, and your watch passes without incident. Um, so during my watch, like, she's still, like, raging. 
hard, uh, which is probably why like perceptions like a little bit on the lower end, just, you know, heartbeat is going through the eyes. She's just like, I'm sorry, just not again, not again, not again. Like nothing, uh, you know, she's not like screaming or anything like that, but she's definitely like raging hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vampire is just kind of muttering to herself uh, with this like barely contained emotion for several hours until Can we it is. Can something real quick? Sure. Does anybody else actually have... I, I do have four damage, so like Thalias still has any healing. Yeah, Thalias wants to do a, uh, yeah, like a, a channel energy before say bed. No. Like Say no, they had their chance. They always come running back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, in fairness, me and Viperia never ran away from you. You left us. Just like Father Crow. Jesus Christ. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just like our other dad. <laughs> Father dad. Yeah, I heal you guys for seven. Nice. I'm Perfect. Nice. So, moving on. And, uh, yeah, it is now Thalias' turn for watches. Let's do this. Go ahead. I wake up and, yeah. Yeah, give me a perception I check. I wake up and do my watch. Perception, huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh. I see green, baby. Nat 20. For Where a total of? For a total of 20. Nice. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't have any points in perception. I don't know. You tell me, Joe. Points in perception. <laughs> you get to pick those. You have full agency of where you put your skill ranks. You tell me. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but is it accurate? <laughs> yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> okay. Uh... Yeah, you don't notice anything out of the ordinary, and your watch passes uneventfully. All right, so on my watch, just to flavor town, you know, what's going on, uh, I'm just basically s- sitting there mulling over like everything that's led up to McTana's uh, vision to us there, and I'm trying to piece together with my lizard brain exactly, you know, what's going to happen when we cross over to the other, uh, back to the mortal plane. Because she hit us with some pretty heavy shit, like at the end of that. And so Thalias is trying to make heads or tails of it while he's supposed to be keeping watch. I mean, I am keeping watch, but I'm absolutely distracted by all of it um, that she said to us. Yeah. And she basically stated that when you guys cross back over, you will, you will literally be the un- literally. unraveling of reality. Yeah. That worried me a bit. And while I have, you know, however many hours to myself just sitting there worrying about it not to mention that uh freshly opened wound that fly is probably dealing with from that uh flashback at the top of the scriptorium tower yes there's a couple of freshly opened wounds going on as well yes all right well luckily there's absolutely nothing to distract you from your thoughts (laughs) (laughs) and uh your watch ends and you can go and wake up Uhtred and Rogyar. All right, I wake him up. Okay, uh, so Uhtred and Rogyar, give me perception checks. Uh, that's a 29 for Rogyar. And uh, an 11 for Uhtred. Okay. Any uh, RP going on for your watch? Um, if nothing else, Rogyar is definitely like kind of playing around with his familiar, like letting it fly around and kind of like go up and down like the dead roads a little bit to get a better view of what's going on and 
Rogar would just kind of be watching it with just a big ass smile on his face. <laughs> I think Uhtred sitting there seeing the just like genuine pure joy that Rogar's having playing with this familiar right now would actually even cause Uhtred to like kind of crack a smile and almost bask in just a pleasant feeling. Not just like in the first time since we came out of Rossler's tomb, but like Uhtred's definitely coming to dealing with a lot of his big baggage in his past. He's always felt like he's been a fraud and he's he's lived this fraudulent life of not being who everyone else thinks he is and this experience he's grown so much stronger right he's he's kept a party alive this time instead of watching them all die around him he's he's genuinely having a good moment for the first time in maybe even years not just since we came together and started down the dead roads He's happy for Rogar, and happy has not been a, a, a feeling that has been present with Uhtred for a long time. That plus, like, you, you've got all three stamps, you're on the, the final leg of your journey, and, like, e- even if just for a moment, while you two are just kind of silently keeping watch and appreciating your triumphs and Rogar is familiar, you're able to kind of, like, let your guards down a little bit. With Rogyar's 29, Uhtred's 11 perception checks, you guys don't notice anything out of the ordinary. Until the very end of your watch, you had uh, decided to start your watch at the uh, the crest of this hill that the that the Rhodes goes over, uh, a better vantage point that way. And uh, as you're as you're looking forward, where uh, you're where the road is uh, still leading. The road is plain in the moonlight, but it suddenly wavers as a garden of bright flowers and high hedges rises up to block the road. And from this high vantage point, the garden resembles an enormous skull adorned with flowers. And it just sits there in the semi-distance, silently. Well, I guess we'd wake up. I'm sure it'll go over and start to wake up Thelias and Vipira. You too. It's, it's time to get up. It's time we face McTina. Put an end to this part. What? So you, yeah, you wake what up. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'll kind of turn so like I'm not blocking your view and Richard will point his hand out and say, I think we finally made it to McTina's place. Uh, I thought we were trying to get away from this. Think about it, Rogar. She... Went to the last way station before we did. She could have just as easily come right to us. I think she always knew that we were coming to her front step regardless. And you do remember reading in Kishikisha's manner that her domain is in the Boneyard, which you are no longer in. You're on the Dead Roads, which is a, a separate dimension. But, you know, what else could this be? But it would still strike you as like, but how is it here? Yeah, I think Uhtred stopped questioning things at this point. Nothing's made sense. Why should this? Stuff just happens here. We just got to deal with it and blow past. (laughs) Uh, Well, as they say, the seed of all evil is laziness. So let's get this over with. 
Well, hold on one second, rogue guy. Just because we're here doesn't mean we still don't have time for a nice breakfast. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, yeah, you're like the. I'm making waffles. You're like that commercial, like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, now, kids, don't forget a balanced breakfast. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that the berries that Uhtred picked off of uh, from Kisukisu's garden are no longer considered fresh. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You do still have... You have quite a lot of trail rations on you at this point, though. Yeah, so I'm going to take the remaining six berries and actually mash them up and put it on, like, some of the dry tack, which I assume some of it's kind of like a dried-out biscuit or cracker-type thing, and, like, spread them out over a couple of those and hand them out to everyone. All right, cool. Anybody else doing anything? Uh, Like, before, before, during, or after breakfast? All right, so with that you guys be you guys begin trudging down this down the hill down the road marching towards your final obstacle you arrive at a wrought iron arch set into the flower covered hedge that reads death bower in an ornate script i'd like uh, perception checks from everybody vipira kind of nudges uh uh utrid hey uh you got that armor right Mage armor? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll cast it before we walk in. He'll like uh, pull pull the rod out as uh, we're coming up on the gate and cast mage armor with the extend rod. All right. As you guys are getting ready to open the gate beneath this archway, Rogyar with a twenty perception, you hear uh, several voices coming from the other side of the hedges. They just sound. Uh, conversational. Oh, and Vipera with a 28 as well, would seem. <laughs> uh, these voices just kind of sound conversational. And, like, every so often you hear, like, a <laughs> like, somebody's, like, it's, like, manual labor or something going on. Vipera, you, uh, with a 28, you ascertain that there's probably, like, three or four creatures, people talking on the other side of the gate. Yeah, be be careful, guys. There's uh, someone on the other side of the gate. Sounds like they're just maybe like landscapers or something, but there's there's someone there. Landscapers. Utrid, you do remember really? reading in Kishikish's Kishikish's uh, manor that she has several gardeners uh, that maintain Death Bower. I think they are most likely McTainas gardeners. I read that she has quite a few to maintain her manor. Are her gardeners going to be of any nuisance? Do you know? Well, why wouldn't they be? Everything else has been. (laughs) It's hard to argue with that, Rogyar, but typically gardeners are not fighters, as they specialize in making things live, not die. But I'm confident that whatever waits for us whoever stands in our way the four of us are gonna get through it certain mctana would say something along the lines of it's about balance and the roses die to feed the new roses yada 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 <sighs> i feel like mctana just wants us at this point i doubt her gardeners are gonna do anything with us well only one way to find out. After you, Elias. With a deep breath, Elias 
holds up his shovel and shield and walks forward. My hero. We'll see about that. And we'll see you next week. Oh, I guess we'll see you about it next week. (laughs) Inspired and Confidence Podcast. Wow. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.